Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this group of men. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the book of John, which is just such an amazing book. It just speaks of you so clearly and so solidly. Let our spirits be filled with yours, that we may see your glory in your word. And let that enlighten our paths, that we may walk it and learn things tonight that will carry through into our lives tomorrow and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow, that's a good one. Thank you. It was God. I'm impressed. It wasn't me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Good answer. Uh, it was participation. It was, it was a joint effort. Uh, okay, so I have a I have a question to start us out with, which is actually not just out of nowhere because it's really going to be with what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, how do you know when something is true? Hmm, when it agrees with me. By the way, when it agrees with me. <laughs> when it agrees with you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. But seriously, and well, I mean, that's going to be serious yeah. if it agrees with that. How do you know if something is true? You could fact check it. Okay. You could fact check it. All right. Evidence. Evidence. Google. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> Assume it's been updated. I'm saying that cynically because that's the way it's, it's going. Sketchy. It, that is the way it's going. Yeah. It's and gone. In another 50 years, right. books will be obsolete and the culture will know what Google and Wikipedia wants it to know. Yeah, yeah I'm hoping that. I mean, you know, books are sort of coming back again and hard But by cover, the same so. token, absence, absent evidence to the contrary doesn't mean the contrary doesn't exist. Ooh. Yeah, true. So, in other words, if just because you don't have evidence about it doesn't mean it's not true. Is that a way to summarize that? Or maybe it's the only truth you know, but the truth that you believe may not be true without more information. All right. So, so these days, I mean, that's even you know, that's probably hey, one of the things that hey can. One of the big discussions we I'm asking I'm asking the simple question which I'm sure you have the answer for which is how do you know when something is true? How do you know when something is true? Is what I'm asking. Anybody else? How do you know when? Or and I'll put this another way: How do you know whether something really happened or not? So that you hear someone said something, or they say they know something, or whatever. How do you know whether it's true or not? We, we go go back to what I said last time. Uh-huh. We have, through our whole lifetime, every time we meet somebody, the basic question is, who are you? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's the Thank you. qualification of knowing the person that's speaking okay. and giving yeah. them credibility based on their history or your association that's happened to me so many times it just yeah it's just a normal part of my life is to so happened to you in the sense of that someone when they fixed coast highway back in the early 90s mm-hmm. the, the right away is 110 feet wide the road is 120 feet wide and the road is 100 feet wide. Mm-hmm. So the road doesn't quite go down the middle. It sort of shuffles back and forth. So when they got all done, that 
left a scar on both sides of the road. Hmm. So a lot of, most times when that happens, they come back in and hydroseed it, and then let the plants grow and remove the scar. Mm -hmm. Sounds like part of the 405 freeway. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, so, but, you know, you Caltrans that does that all the time. Mm -hmm. Caltrans doesn't take care of that 10 feet. So they basically just give the property owner associated next to it the use of that 10-foot piece of land for free. They don't have to pay taxes. How does this relate to his question? Going there. <laughs> so I'm riding my bike back and forth while the hydro seed's growing. Uh -huh. And the hydro seed grows up and little yellow flowers come out. And I went, great. With all these little yellow flowers, little short flowers. Yeah. Three weeks later, or four weeks later, yeah. a bunch of little plants about this big jumped up out of the ground, almost overnight. Ugh. And I looked at them and I went, oh, no. Now these plants are planted about that far apart, and each one will grow 8 to 10 feet tall and about 15 feet in diameter. Mm -hmm. And they're planted from Laguna Beach to Newport. So I see in my mind, three years from now, there'll be a 10-foot wall on both sides of Coast Highway. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. The full length of the road. So I make a little left turn and go up to the park headquarters and go, can I talk to the boss? First question, what for? Mm -hmm. Who are you? <laughs> it took me five years to get those bushes cut down. Huh. And the whole thing was consistent. Who are you? Who are you? Because the state owns this, and the county does that, and the state parks does this, and the Irvine Company does that, and everybody kept pointing. So it took me a long time for, I think it was about the third year. Mm-hmm. Sitting at the breakfast table, Marilyn said, You haven't called anybody lately. Why don't you call and see if you can find somebody to get those bushes cut down? So I did. I hung up. And she said, How? How'd it go? I said, I won. She said, They're going to cut the bushes down. I said, No. But he asked me if I was the bush guy. And I said, so now I have a reputation, and they're talking about me, and they know they're wrong, and they know I'm right. Mm. So I now have credibility, because they are yeah. learning who yeah. I am. Mm -hmm. So it took five years to get them cut wow. down. Wow. Taking mm. that then, yeah. trials and challenges of what you believe can produce whether it's true or not. Okay. Well, I'm going to go, and so going back to what Tom said, you made the comment about Wikipedia and Google. So we go back to sort of what you said. Part of that problem, right, is if you're looking at Google and Wikipedia, what's the problem? You can't... Who's writing the answer? Who's writing the answer, right? Who's yeah, the authority? Who, who's, the, who's the one actually telling you? They don't let you know that. Right, yeah. right. So I think that's really good. I mean, that's something I don't know if you think about, but when you read something or news or whatever it is, and you you either just take it to believe it because it, 
or whatever it is, coming down to that question, do you know <laughs> how much of how um, how much of what we believe or don't? And I'm not talking about religion right now, or Christianity, I'm, or the Bible. I'm talking about just the world. How much of what we know is based on really knowing personally a person who can attest to that? Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's tons. People don't think about this. They do watch the Discovery Channel. They watch the History Channel. And so if those shows are all like Wikipedia. I mean, they're just dialed in to whoever wrote them. But there is there shows that people in pop culture to know uh, about the past. And so archaeologically, historically, culturally, there is evidence for anybody that's ever gotten near Israel that just totally connects to, like, every book in the Bible. Um, so, so maybe you're not talking about scripture at this minute, but evidence. Well, we're going there now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The evidence. Yeah. Figured you might be. That, you, <laughs> that you had just mentioned uh, the, the issues of evidence. Yeah. So it maybe Dale's, you know, uh, the diligence of seeking all the evidence and doing all your due diligence, what you did to get that done. That's an incredible thing. There is a mantle incumbent upon us to find what is. The truth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we, we do that to each other. Uh-huh. We don't ask who are you. We say what do you do. Yeah. Yeah. When you were saying that, and the that's, other day. that's the one right. we use all the time. We yeah. used to just say, "Oh, it was in the newspaper." Yeah. And we just everything was validated by quoting the newspaper. Right. But don't cops do that? They, I mean, they want to know what a motive is, even if you get pulled over, why were you, the question's there. So there's a question, why? Yeah. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Why Why, why is there a sky? Why is there air? Why is there... Do you know how fast you are? Yeah. <laughs> why are there little pockets inside my lungs? Why aren't my teeth in my armpit? You know, why am I symmetrical, ears on both sides, two ears, one mouth? Right. Eyes in the I, back yeah. of your head. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, you're right. Oh, I was just saying, I've always relied on my internal gut feeling, the Holy Spirit, that yeah. uh, always talks to me in a quiet, humble, and rings true or negative <clears throat> on whatever I'm reading or encountering in a situation, whether it be you know local, national, international, spiritual, biblical, whatever. Uh, it, it just... I feel it in here. If I don't feel it in here, then you know, I have trouble grasping it mentally. Uh, but if once I, ah, yeah, that makes sense. It's like you're just saying, who are you? Kind of thing. That just ringed right true with me instantly. Uh, so I've always, since I was a kid, always relied on that. Been the key, most important factor in my life, I would say, which I eventually figured out was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I didn't know where it was coming before that. Yeah, no clue. Right. Okay, so I want you guys to open up to John. Um, surprise. Surprise. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I want to you just look at the um, page, well, I don't know if that's page one, but a prologue. Um, so if you take a look here, as John is going through and giving us this prologue we've looked at for a couple weeks now, um, one thing we haven't looked at is notice how he sort of interrupts his prologue, all right? And he interrupts his prologue in a sense to do what we're talking about or answer the question we're talking about. Because if you take a look at verse 6, 
He, he says in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness is not overcome it, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, almost, <laughs> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a, a witness, a witness <laughs> to bear witness about the light. So he came as, who was he? He was a witness, okay? And what did he come? Is to bear witness. So he came to say, I've seen this firsthand. I am a witness, a testimony to something that has happened. And that was John. what John's doing. So he, why, and why did he do that? And why are we reading that here? Because there's a purpose why John did that. Well, in that way, all, he's talking about... First, he's making a statement. Then he's talking uh-huh. about himself in kind of a. Third well, this person. isn't John. No. This is yeah. This is John the Baptist. Now he's speaking yeah. about. Okay? okay, so he came as a witness to bear witness about the light, and we heard about who the light was in verse five. And why did he bear that witness? So that all may believe through him. And then it makes a statement again. I think of what you just said again, Dale. He doesn't just know who he is. He knows who he is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right? He's not trying to be something he is not. That's a smart. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. See how many times we see, in fact, it's the same Greek word that's used. One's a noun, one's a verb. Witness is the same word as bear witness, which is the verb, and bear witness again. So you see just three times in here, I've come to say something happened, to bear witness to that. So you will know that it is true, all right, that it really happened. And why? So you will believe. All right. And then he continues on his prologue. He says, the true light, which gives light to everyone. So you almost could take out verses 6 through 8, and you wouldn't even know the difference. You could just, like, go, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, you would never know there's anything missing in there. So John, the author of here, purposely puts that in there. Then as we continue down, it says in verse 14... Notice how it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then what do you have? <laughs> and here's a little bit more purposeful. Okay, in parentheses, John, again, the exact same word, bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me. So you can see, even just in our prologue, as we open, we hear the importance that what is being said is something that is claimed to be true and has happened, and for someone to believe that it happened, you have to have a witness, which is part of the problem. Like, like, well, I guess, I think, I don't know, does Wikipedia do this, where you can actually see the author of who added stuff to it? Like an... But a lot of times in Google, right? You would look up something in Google. You have no idea who wrote it, right? You have, you have no idea what that. So here he's making the point of what that is. All right. So now turn over to the can next page. Quick question. Yes. On uh-huh. bearing witness. You know, there's part of the, in St. John, where the Pharisees, well, 
How, who's your witness? Well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the Father's in me, and mm-hmm. he's my witness. Doesn't it take two people to witness? Right, well, yeah, and we're going to, we will pay, we will see that talked about in here because yeah. it's interesting because Jesus, I think, will say, I'm the only really witness you need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay? Um, but that is true. I mean, that's why... The Pharisees attack That's him. why when Jesus heals... I mean, it might have been the blind man. When Jesus heals someone yeah. and Jesus says, go to the priests for them to see what has happened. Right. He's doing that very specifically because a priest can be witness that yeah. the person was actually healed. That what Jesus did really happened. Right. right. That what Jesus did was true. All right. So you can see scripture is very, very concerned about saying there's this happened. This is true, and there's a person who's going to bear a witness Got it. to say that it's true. Okay. So, beginning in verse 19 is where we now switch out of the prologue, and you can see it now picks right up and says, here we go. So we've already been introduced to John, and now the Gospel of John, the author of John, John... <laughs> So many Johns here. That's why I said a little thing in my email, right? Okay, which John are we talking about? Now what we do is we switch into the actual testimony of John the Baptist himself. All right? And you'll notice that it opens by saying, and this is the testimony of John. Guess what? That word testimony is exactly the same Greek word as witness. Okay. All right? Okay. Same thing. So again, we've got this word. It's just continuing appearance saying there's a witness to making sure this really happened. All right? Yeah. Okay? So. This idea of John the Baptist, we all know about John the Baptist, bearing this witness. Okay? John is saying, is going to tell us about that. Right. Where else do we find out about John the Baptist? So here in John, we're hearing about the testimony of John the Baptist. Are there other places in the Bible that we hear about John the Baptist? Mm-hmm. Well, later on, John. Yes. Um, but not so much John. Are there other places? Other places other, books? other than John. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. What are, what are the other places other than the Gospel of John here that we also find out about John the Baptist. When he gets beheaded. Well, that's about what happened to him, but where? Where? Are there other books other than John that tell us about John the Baptist? The other go- Gospels. Is that in Mark? Talking about it. Well, yeah, it's in Mark. Yeah. Say again, Tom? The other Gospels. Though. The other Gospels. And Jesus talks about it. Exactly. Okay, the other Gospels. Indirectly, Isaiah. Well, Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah prophesies about that, right, okay. But actually, this, this of what, who John the Baptist is and what he did, Tom just said it. It occurs in how many of the Gospels? Three. Three. Right. It occurs in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we are in the fourth Gospel. Yep. So all four Gospels testify... <laughs> write down and want you to know that there was this guy named John the Baptist. Why? Because he was the one who bore witness to Jesus. Okay? So. How do you suppose he did that? 
Well, we're going to read about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah, good that's question, that, though, mm-hmm. John. I mean, at this point, he's prophesying, really. Jesus hasn't shown up yet. No. In, the, in what we've read so far. In this t- corrupt, corrupt. So he's witnessing to somebody who hasn't come yet. That's kind of right. odd. Although he's writing about... Yeah. He's writing to... John, writing this gospel, is writing about that happened after the fact, right? So he's not going to tell about John the Baptist and what happened. Yeah, you're right. With the story, okay? But I mean, John the Baptist, when yeah. he's witnessing to the Pharisees or whatever... He's not witnessing to a Jesus who exists, as far as they know. It's like, can you imagine some right. guy going into a courtroom? Right. And he, uh, I want you to witness, uh, and he said, "Well, I'm not the one you want to talk about. You want to, the wi- I'm witnessing to a guy who's going to come." And the court's like, "We don't care about some guy who's coming, right? You know, we're, yeah. we're trying and to then, deal in facts." And this guy who looks like everybody know, else just guessing. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah, and good point. All right, which also. As he then shows up, maybe gives some credibility to. Yeah, he's prophesying. Yeah, exactly. John the Baptist. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Twenty-two. I think you were. Yeah. So. So. Um, I have a question. Yes. The fact that he was baptizing. What's the significance of that? Because. The Pharisees and Sadducees sent a committee to find out what's going on here because he was baptizing. Right. So was that a special ceremony that people particularly respected in a certain category of authority? Um, so we. So what's interesting is baptism sort of came on the scene before Jesus, which we don't have really recorded. So before the Gospels, in that 400-year period, 200, 100-year before Jesus, it, um, if you go to even Israel today, uh, the Temple Mount that was there when Jesus was there, you would have baptismals, all right, that actually were built there. And so a lot of times people would go, at this point, they would go and actually dunk themselves in the water before going into the temple to be cleaned, yeah. all right? So the role of baptism was something that someone would do frequently as a way of sort of, of cleansing themselves, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. But was John they went the inventor the of baptism no. then? No, I don't think John was the inventor of it, no. They do a baptisms, yeah. Basically, so clean and for the forgiveness of sins or cleanses the sins. But that, <laughs> as we will see when we go through here, it starts to change with Jesus and John the Baptist as to why are you baptizing? Right. Okay. Things are going to change as to what the reason for that is. Yeah. Okay, as we'll see. All right. So. But the um, fact that he was doing it himself caused. Start cause ruckus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, who's this guy who looks all weird with long hair? Yeah, but the way I read this was, this, they sent a committee to find out who are you. Yeah, because he was starting an insurrection against the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's right. Well, and they wanted to know who he, this guy was and what is he doing. And I mean, if it's so much yeah, of an insurrection, I think it's like, uh, who's in charge here? The Pharisees are in charge, right? And yeah. So you, and what does That's why it's an insurrection, because, wait a minute, we're in charge, and right. now you're diluting our authority here. Which is something you're going to see throughout the Gospels. Hmm. There's this tension. Why does Jesus hide things at first? 
because what you don't want to have happen with the Sadducees or the leadership of the Jews or Rome, <laughs> who ruled at that time, is anything that looked like it was an insurgence mm-hmm. that started to come up, it's like, we're going to quash that, mm-hmm. all right? Because that obviously threatened the workings and the orderliness of what was being done there. Okay. Kind of like Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, who wants to read verses 19 through 23? Any uh, volunteer? I will. All right, thank you. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And the prophet Isaiah said, as the prophet Isaiah said. Okay, there you go, Isaiah. There's Isaiah. Okay? So just like we said, John's saying, hey, this is from Isaiah. Now, grab your Bibles. And I want you, we're going to take a look at the other three Gospels quickly here as to how do they introduce what John did. We're not going to read the whole thing, but just like the introduction. So all three of the Gospels also record something similar. Um, and in Matthew, so if you go to Matthew 3... What I want you to do as we read this is I want you to think about any difference you see between what you just heard in John and what you see in the other three Gospels. Okay? So, um, so Matthew 3, everyone there? Uh, I'll just read this. Matthew 3, 1 through 3. Listen to, listen to how it happens. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is what he said. And then it says, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Now let's look at the next gospel, Mark. Mark is really nice and short. Great gospel, you can read it in like 45 minutes. If anybody ever says, Oh, I can't read the, I can't read the gospel, I can't read the whole gospel. The Lord is capitalized, obviously, in Isaiah, too, by the way. I mean, Yahweh. Yeah, Yahweh. Prepare the yeah, way. of the Lord. Of, of Yahweh. Of Yahweh, yeah. <laughs> A lot to be said about that. Okay, so in Mark 1 1, right at the very beginning, Mark opens with this. I mean, of all gospels, <laughs> he doesn't cut, he doesn't beat around the bush. He opens right away with John the Baptist. And so in Mark 1 1, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay? Sound pretty similar to mm-hmm. Matthew? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a look at Luke. Can you read 4 and 5? Um, sure. They kind of were important. 
Um, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all of the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So what you were, we were just talking about, right? Yeah. Important. I mean, the confessing their sins thing is pretty important because you want to rattle the authorities in Jerusalem at the temple. Yeah. Right. They had their whole rights. It was, you know, he, he, he um, sacrificed to atone for sin. Yeah. Now he's baptizing and people are con- personally and, confessing their sins. And, and saying repentance for sins. Yeah. And that, not, that doesn't cost any money. <laughs> no. no but, hey, Greg. Yeah. What do you... The clientele that John the Baptist had, do you think it was more or less the, the poorer people, or do you think he had a wide breadth of, of, you know, maybe even a Roman soldier now and then? And I don't know. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a, it yeah. says right here, that's why yeah. it was cool to read this, and all the country of Judea was going out to see him. <laughs> all, the all and then, Good and job. all the people of Jerusalem. Can you imagine? That's like Incredible. New York. For, for that at the time, yeah. So you think the Pharisees were getting very pissed off about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I doubt the, I doubt the Pharisees point, were getting bad. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but but good point. Okay, again, they're they're probably like, what in the heck they are? What's the, the heck's demographics? Going on? It wasn't yeah, wide, thank right? you for reading that, Tom. That was a good point. Good answer. Although Nicodemus would be watching very closely eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Nicodemus. But then yeah, you have, cool. you have to He's look the at man. What's the definition of the sin Pharisees. at the time, though? The one I liked. Yeah. You know what? Is, what is the definition of sin? Well, they're breaking, breaking the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Well, so, um, anything in Leviticus and and, that, and the all the rules and everything. There's the rules that the Sadducees and Pharisees made up. Well, no, no, no. The well, Pharisees he, and Chad Sadducees did make other rules on top of those. Right. True. Yes. Okay. But there's a whole lot of rule rules. I mean, there's a whole lot of the law that all of them were supposed to. So the Pharisees role was to make sure the people, one of the roles, was to make sure the people were obeying the Torah, the Mm -hmm. law. That was their main function. However, as we find out from Jesus, what Jesus criticized the Pharisees because of what they were doing, they were taking that law, legalizing it, being hypocritical with it, and adding more burdens and saying, you know, Mm-hmm. You can't dance. You can't smoke. All these things were not the law. I'm making those up. Okay, but... Yeah. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. So Luke. then the last is Luke 3. Um, it says, in the 15th year of the reign... Sorry, what, verse what, 1. Verse? Tiberius Caesar. Three. Yeah, Luke 3. 3, 3. 3, 1. Well, I'm sorry, 3, 1. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being a governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of da da da, and the Syrians tetrarch of da. Why did I even start with all that? Da 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 da. And then verse three, and he went out into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I think, like Tom just mentioned, I mean that again. That's not something, well, how can this guy do this? As it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So what do you see consistent? What is consistent in all, all four of these? What's, 
what's consistent that's happening in all these? Yeah, he's bringing the word, mm -hmm. and when you say he's bringing the word, what's uh, he's saying? I, I'm, there's one that's following me. Okay. It's coming soon. Okay, all right. John is the one, the voice crying out of the wilderness. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah he is the he is the he is the preamble. He's proclaiming. Right. He's he's introducing. Yeah. So all four of these quote what Isaiah. Isaiah. What's the difference with the way John does that versus the way these other three gospels do this? Yeah, the question was, are you the prophet? Who is the prophet? Well, and that we're going to... And they've mentioned Elijah. But right, right. Okay. Yeah. I've just always wondered that. Who is the prophet? Well, and again, remember, they're anticipating someday God's going to come back. Right. right. God has left Israel. They're anticipating a Messiah. They're anticipating, <coughs> you know, they've had a bunch of failed Messiahs, by the way, in those 400 years. And they're anticipating, as, they're under the rule of Rome, when's God going to come back and destroy the enemy and bring us back to our relationship yeah. with God. Okay? So, that's... We're seeing that starting to take place now again. And they're trying to figure out, is that real? The Pharisees, we think the Pharisees were bad. Well, it's the same way as you could see me as a pastor. Okay? I mean, <laughs> you know, you it depends on, you've got a role. It goes back to like what Dale said, all right? You have a role. What's that role? Are you fulfilling that role? Or are you going beyond what that is? All right? So the Pharisees had a role, which was legitimate. And they were there for a purpose. Um, but... As many happens in leadership, which I'm sure we don't just see in the church, <laughs> people abuse it, <laughs> right? Okay, going back to my question. What is different? All four Gospels talk about that what John's doing is a fulfillment of Isaiah. He says it's a testimony. He says it. He says, "Who's he?" John. He says this is the testimony. He said this he, is the testimony of John, and they're questioning, they're questioning who he is. Okay, interesting. All right. I, okay. You make a yeah. in the second paragraph, verse six. John, the difference of John. John makes a real special point that he's bearing witness. Okay, that's good. He's bearing witness. That's he, a huge. That's good. How do we see that taking place when it comes to Isaiah being quoted? Let me ask that. So there's something different oh, about what John is recording that <laughs> what John is recording that John ba the John Baptist did that we don't see in the other three Gospels. John actually says it. Excellent, Bill. Yes. Yeah, John yes. actually directed straightforward. <laughs> yes. Yeah, John actually proclaims it right himself. between the eyes. Exactly. I love his first answer where he says, "What are you doing here?" And he says. I'm not the one. <laughs> right away. Oh, yes, right. I'm, I'm not the guy. Right. Right. Are you a prophet? No. Right. What is the significance of that, though? So that's very, very good. You got that. So in all the other three Gospels, it's the Gospel writers who say John the Baptist is fulfilling that prophecy. this prophecy. Yeah. In John, it is John the Baptist who is saying he is fulfilling that prophecy. I think John actually witnessed that. 
And you saying think that? John actually witnessed that? I, I has to be. I think you just might be right. Seriously, <laughs> which is huge. Right. So that is right here. We see an example of why are we reading the Gospel of John? Why do we? Why do we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke? There is something very special about this book of John, which Absolutely. is what we're going to explore a little bit tonight. Okay, this sets it apart from the other Gospels. Okay, doesn't doesn't just sets apart. Okay. One of the things that sets it apart, we just found out one of those really small things, is that here we find out that John who wrote this is telling us that John the Baptist himself is the one who said this. All right? How could that be? How could he know that? That's what I was wondering. All right. He was there. Yeah. So, now I want you to look so what ends up happening in the gospel sort of interesting is is that you end up having John the Baptist come along and then in the other gospels you have the next thing that happens is you have the temptation in the desert okay by the devil you don't see that in the John's gospel okay it doesn't mean doesn't he just doesn't is not highlighting that all right then you have Jesus announcing his ministry by saying in the other gospels, "Repent, for the you know, repent. Um, the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of God is near." And then you have the calling of the disciples. Yeah, that's the main. Okay, that's what happens. In there. So I want to take a look for a moment about how the calling of the disciples takes place. All right. So I want you to go. So take a look at, let's just go to Mark. Because actually what happens in Mark is the same, so we won't look at the other ones. What happens in Mark um, is basically exactly the same that happens in the other three, in the other three um, Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay? They all pretty much record the calling of the disciples in the same way. All right? So if you look at Mark um, chapter 1, verse 16... So listen to how this is recorded. Again, Mark is concise, but it it's important to hear how how this is said. So in verse 16 it says, one sixteen, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. Well, let me go back just um, to 14. Notice that it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. So this is how Jesus launches his ministry in the other Gospels, by proclaiming the Gospel of God, the time is fulfilled, and the Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. That is followed directly in the other Gospels, then, by the calling of the disciples. So it says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting it into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, they saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The other Gospels basically record the same thing. The only thing the other Gospels add is they actually say that Simon is called Peter. Okay. All right. So they do mention that Simon gets his name Peter, too. Okay. Um, 
All right. So you see that there? Mm-hmm. So you have so you have this calling of the disciples. All right. Now I want you to take a look at that in John on page 10. And I want you to listen to how John records the calling of the disciples. Where, where are you? So page 10. not Well, page 10 here on our book. Yeah, yeah page 10 in our book. All right. Who wants to read 35 to 42? Once, twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, yeah, you do it, Steve. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Now, that is John the Baptist, by the way, just mm-hmm. give context. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see, you will see, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you see anything in here as you read this that is different? We have some more information, but different than what you see with the other Gospels based on what we read in Mark. Mark, he called them out of the boat, right? Mm -hmm. And here, these two disciples were with John the Baptist and not in the boat. Very good. Okay, so we maybe have a different 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 timing of that, right? A different location of that. Good. Very good, Tom. What else do you see? It's just a definite dialogue. Yeah, dialogue that's taking place? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Jesus, between Andrew, between John the Baptist, they're all it's like back and forth. So that goes to somebody was there to record it this way. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, John was there. He John heard all these things. When you say John, which John are you talking about? I'm talking the John the, the Apostle. Okay, you're talking about John the author of John. John the author of John. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. But where he, I mean, right away, you know, John, John the Baptist goes, Behold, the Lamb of God. Uh-huh. You know, and later on he goes on to say he saw, you know, the dove descending on him like a, the Holy Spirit. Right. So going along with what you just said, so what is the order, who is called in what order in the other Gospels that we read? Who is the first person called to be a disciple? In the other ones? In the other ones. You should just sort of know that right off the top Andrew of your head. Andrew, Andrew, I think. No. Who's the first? Who would you expect to be the first one? Who is the most important? We think. Peter. 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 Exactly. But he wasn't. So in all three of the Gospels, well, I mean, he was okay. I mean, he was obviously. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so in all three of the Gospels, it is Peter who is called first to be a disciple. 
right? Who is a person called to be first a disciple of Jesus in this telling of John? Andrew. Let's look at it. Oh, wait, let's see. No, no, Okay. So watch, watch, yeah. Go ahead and look at it. Who is the first person to be called to be a disciple? Andrew. Verse 40. Which verse are you looking at? 40. 40. Was it James? No. no. I thought it, always thought it was Andrew. Read well. <laughs> this, is, this is a testimony. So you're, you're in court of law. His brother. Who? Peter's brother. Peter's brother. Who's Peter's brother? Andrew. Andrew. All right. Is he the first one? Well, we're going to find out. Okay, so I want you to, let's let's just read through this, all right? The next day, again, John was standing with his with the two, with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. These are two disciples of John, right? Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, these two disciples, What are you seeking? That's always a really good question. I think about, you know, um, our questions about talking to people about Jesus. <laughs> you know, this is always a really good question. What are you seeking? <laughs> what are you seeking in your life, all right? What are you seeking? And they said to him, the two disciples, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Isn't that an interesting answer to what are you seeking? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Incongruous. Well, it's basically yeah, saying we want to be with you. <laughs> Who are you guys? You know, we want to hang with you. Very uh, excellent. Excellent, Eric. We want to hang with you. Well, not only do we want to hang with you, but a little insight we're not going to look into too much right now. That word for where are you staying is very specifically the word where are you remaining, which is very specifically the word dwell. Dwell, which is also the word tabernacle. No. <laughs> Wild guesses here. Dwelling. Live. No. Dwelling. We talked about it the first night. Yeah. Um, abiding. 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 Excellent, Tom. Abiding. abiding. Oh. This is the word that when Jesus says, "Abide in me, I abide in you." When He says, "If you, if you are my disciples." and you abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Exactly the same word. Okay? In fact, really our versions to be consistent, this is why you study. It's because our versions to be consistent, we would never see that. Where are you staying? But it's actually, where are you abiding? Okay? Right. I think John was the first one. Okay. So now, well, okay, you think... But this is well, I'm reading another translation. <laughs> Cheating. So, so where are you staying? The, the two disciples ask. Jesus says to the two disciples, "Come, and you will see." Inviting them, so they came. Listen to what happens. Those two disciples came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Okay. Yeah. 
Alright, everyone got that? So they stay with Jesus for a while. Two disciples. Everyone follow me? Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. So one of the two disciples is Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, so guess what happens, right? Is he goes out and finds Peter. All right? Goes out, finds Peter. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas. We know what one, who one of the disciples is. Who's the other one? Because there's two disciples that are first there with Jesus. Before Peter is even called to be a disciple, there's another one. I think it's John. It is John. <laughs> it has to be John. It is, the, it is the, it is, this is very purposeful. We're going to see it throughout scripture in John. Is John is doing something. He is saying something about him, okay? Himself? About what? About himself. About himself, going back to sort of what um, Dale said. He's identifying himself here, okay, as someone who is bearing. Witness. witness as to what happened. Mm-hmm. Who was able to actually tell us something that happened that none of the other gospel writers knew or did not record. So we're actually so we did learn first John the Baptist actually spoke the words of Isaiah. We didn't know that before. Here we learn that there is a disciple and now, I want you to think about this from the church's perspective. Well, church in large seas. Most people consider Peter to be like the rock of the church, the founder of the church, the first disciple, right? He was the third. <laughs> what we find out here, okay, is that John is saying, and he's not sort of saying Peter is not important. No. Peter is very, 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 very important. <clears throat> but John's saying there's something else you need to know. And the reason why John wrote the Gospel of John is to tell us those things that he saw and he witnessed that the other disciples did not. Yeah. And so what we get in John is we get a picture of things. You can say like a movie almost. We get a story that John is testifying as to what those things are. Okay. And so I want you to now turn to the end of John. This is like a case in a courtroom. He's bringing yes, evidence. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, chapter twenty-one. Yeah, chap- the very last page of John, and you'll see why we're we're, we're going as we say we're going somewhere with this. It's, it's important to we'll see as we read through John. Um, Turns off. What? <laughs> He's reading. Oh, Peter. yeah. Okay. Saw the disciples. I want you to, yeah. yeah. So, anybody remember how Luke opens up his gospel? It's sort of, it's sort of different genealogy. 
No? No, that's... Yeah, that's like Matt... Well, that's Matthew and Mark. Yeah, Matthew and Mark do. Have, Matthew and Luke have genealogies. So Luke opens his gospel in a very interesting way, and I'll just read it. Um, and this is really good. I mean, if you're ever witnessing to someone, or you're talking to someone about Jesus, or because, you know, you're saying Jesus, and all of a sudden they're like, tell me about this Jesus, right? How do you even know this stuff happened? Okay. Um, listen to how Luke answers that question. So Luke opens his gospel with trying to making the point of why I asked the question, what is true? What has really happened? The way Luke opens that is he says, and as much as many have understood to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty, hear that? You may have certainty, that you may know it's true, that you may know it really happened concerning the things that you have been taught. So what did Luke do? Luke went around and he gathered all the testimony of the eyewitnesses and all the people that he could. And he took that and he wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the book of Acts. Acts. Acts, right. Okay. And just see so a little history here. Luke and Acts was designed to be one book, but because of how long the um, papyrus was, hmm. you could not fit it into one, and so it was divided into Luke and into Acts. Okay. Because of the length. These are so long. All right. So you see what Luke is doing. Luke is saying... I went around and I got all this testimony and witness from everybody and I recorded it down. Right. Right? Good reporter, right? <laughs> okay. So I want you to listen to what John says about that. All right. Look at verse 24. Yeah. The very end. John says, This is the disciple who was. Yeah, there's that word again. <laughs> Bearing, witness. Bearing witness about these things. And who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. What is different from what John says? And I'm going to just right now just call the disciple John. Okay? Um for the sake of it, because what we're you know, make it easy here. So this is the disciple who wrote this gospel of John. We will call him John. All right. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. He's the first person witness rather than gathering information you from others. Yeah. I witness. That's why I have you guys here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> even even at eight o'clock at night, you guys are thinking well. Did you get that? The Christian Standard Bible says this is the disciple who testifies to these yeah. things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Yeah. This is, and and again, this word testimony, witness, all the same Greek word. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. All right? Yeah. So do you see the difference when we're reading John? Say it again, Eric. 
he's a front and center first witness rather than secondary information. Exactly. He was there. He was there. Yeah. Matthew came along later, tax collectors. He just didn't right. get Luke. Came Luke. along and recorded everything from everybody else, right? Yeah. yeah. Here you have John saying that I was there. There. That's huge. Yes. So, last week, Ken shared about his experience going up Mount Baldy, right? Is that right, Ken? Going up Mount Baldy. And I, uh, we went around and people were sharing, which was awesome last week. Um, we had really good sharing among all the guys. Really, I, I went home just like really encouraged, <laughs> to say the least. Just hearing you guys tell the stories of what it was like going out there and talking and saying the word Jesus. And Ken, you told us about how you did this with your friend going up Mount Baldy. Okay? So when we heard that from Ken, what do we call that? Eyewitness. Yeah. Who's the eyewitness? He's. Ken is the eyewitness. All right? (laughs) And he's. I did it. He's telling us this is what happened. Right. Okay. So think about people would call this the degrees of separation. Think about the degrees of separation that we have. We were not there with Ken, but we heard from Ken, who is the eyewitness of what Eddie told us of exactly what happened. All right. So I don't think any of us doubted. <laughs> okay, the Ken, what he's telling us is the truth. Right. All right, and we know he's the eyewitness to this, right? Think about what is the degrees of separation we have from what we're reading in John. But John was there. Yeah. The problem with all this is dealing with the pragmatics of recording. Police officers will tell you information from eyewitnesses is not reliable at all. That's for sure. And that's because those are police officers. (laughs) I mean, without a doubt, that's somewhat true. I think what you've seen in the Gospels, a little bit, I mean, similar, and you could say that, and someone pragmatically could say that, true. But what you have here is you have the recordings taking place, and you have everybody has a chance to read over it. All right. If something Luke said was not right from the eyewitnesses he went and got the information from, mm-hmm. some would have corrected that. Okay. Yes. All right. Right. I give this credit more credibility than the <laughs> credibility. Yeah. But I collect stories. Mm-hmm. I've got four hundred stories from lifeguards. Mm-hmm. And there'd be three or four guys writing about the same event. Uh huh. And it's not like this. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. You'd think that all four of them were at separate events, but they're all talking about the same. But weren't they all smoking stuff back then too? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I'd be being facetious. Yeah. So I, mean, I thought that was wheat. Your point is yeah. that uh, John was eyewitness, and he's recording conversations, and he was there, right? Right. Yes. But. Not exclusively in his book, because he wasn't there for all these things that he's recording. 
For example, I just flipped to the story of Mary Magdalene at the tomb. He wasn't there. Yeah. Right. He heard it, about it from her. Right. And then Correct. the story. Right. But for the things that he did, for, I mean, in essence, what he's saying here, I'm bearing witness that I'm the one. So in that case, he was the one talking to Mary to find out about it. Okay. Or heard it from whoever. All right. 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 Um, but yes. But what he's writing is things that he is witness to or eyewitness to. Okay. Um, Can I uh, yes. ask, some, uh, ask uh-huh. a question yes. what, mm-hmm. about what you just read? Mm-hmm. It's at the end of, you know, on page 126, the end there at verse 24. Mm-hmm. It says, and we know that his testimony is true. Yeah. John's talking about himself. Yes. And we, who is he talking to? Who's we? So, so and, the... And, and, then he's pat- and then he's patting himself on the back. Well, we can read it that way, but the we here, most people believe it's the same usage we do in English when we use the word we to really mean I. Okay, so there's a way we talk in English, and in Greek it happens the same thing. So like in, in Greek the, language, like in the nursing home when they say we are going to take our bath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So it's similar but different. Yeah. You're you're very perceptive about that, and that that is something that some people will debate. But they say that probably the most likely thing here is that the language which he uses, how he's writing in Greek, is the we is really the I. Okay, he's just that's the way we talk. Okay. We sometimes will talk in that way. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but I think, I mean, overall, my whole overall point is that when you're reading John, that he's making it very explicit to know, for you to know, that he was the eyewitness, okay? That he is the one who's seen this stuff, that he witnessed this, okay? And many of the things he witnessed are probably things other people witnessed, sure. But also some of the things he witnessed are things that aren't recorded other places, and he's recording them for, the, for us here. We're going to see a whole lot of that in John. You know, okay. John witnessed all the way to the cross. I mean, he was the only disciple that was at the base of the cross, and Jesus even spoke to him saying, you know, take care of my mother, you know. Yeah. And he was the only disciple that I think uh, when Peter was outside denying him, I think John went in there into the, uh, the tabernacle to hear what was going down. I mean, he was definitely the, the man. Yeah. The one that Jesus loved. Well, you guys aware of that? What Bill just said, were you aware of the fact that I mostly think, and I think I sort of forgot about that over the years until just I just today, I'll admit that I totally forgot. I'm always I say to people a lot of times, who, what did all the disciples do when Jesus was at the cross? They all abandoned him. Yeah, yeah, they all did. And who John were the only did. ones left? The women. The women. I do. John. I say okay. The women and John. But I did not. I didn't. I forgot. That John was there. Okay. And it's interesting how he makes that point. Because if you look at, in fact, you can turn there. Um, turn to 114, page 114. Glad you know that, Bill. Because I, it's funny, because I, until tonight, had totally, when I was studying today, in fact, I didn't go, whoa, I forgot that that is the case. So notice in um, John 19.20, um, I'll just pick up on, you know, they divide his garments. And it says, um, verse 25, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. So there's firsthand. John's yeah, three, there. Yeah, and John. How do we know he's there? Because he tells us he's there. He then says, When Jesus saw his mother... 
and the disciple whom he loved, which we are now being going to find out that the disciple whom he loved is the same disciple who wrote this is John, okay, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother, and from that hour the disciple took took her to his home. And then, if you look on the next page, notice we have this whole account of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is all the other Gospels recording this, they're not saying they were witness to it. They're talking to people who were witnesses. That's wrong. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, we didn't see it, but Ken saw it. Okay. Here, John says, no, I, I saw it. So he says... But in verse 34, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and once there came out blood and water. Mm-hmm. He who saw it has borne witness. He who saw it, who is he who saw it? The, the John. Yeah. Okay. His testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth. <laughs> Shall he be more explicit? But the reason why John is doing this across the board is so we can believe. believe. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is a function. That's why this gospel, why people, this is also why this gospel is so often used in witnessing, is because if you say, well, who should I, who, you know, I'm witnessing someone, they want to know about Jesus. Which gospel should I go to? I mean, a lot of different ones, but there's something special about John. The gospel of John. Um, because the purpose of John is not to write an orderly account like Luke. The purpose of John is so that you may believe. believe. Yeah. yeah, Eric. If you remove John as a gospel and stand on Matthew, Mark, and Luke, could they collectively make the same point? That's Well, they John. do. I mean, Luke does. I mean, it's an... So, on one hand, they're all inspired by God. Yeah, they're all focusing on the Timothy, same subject. Right. And well, they're not only subject, but they're all inspired through the Holy Spirit. They all are there to ultimately lead us to believe. John's purpose was so Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is inspired, God breathed for training, correction, right, righteousness. Scriptures here to bring us to belief and, and convict us, right? In, in, in our relationship with Christ. But what's interesting about John is that's his stated purpose. He's doing this specifically for that purpose. To bring people to Christ and to have you abide in Christ. Yeah. You know. I, I love I the, what I'm learning tonight is how um, humble John is, which helps his testimony. I agree. Yeah. Um, the first bit of humble is when he split off from John the Baptist. He says, this guy and this guy left John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, I follow Jesus. Right. And, and It's good cr- for you to read it that way because he's not being arrogant. And at the cross, um, he says, whom, he, whom Jesus loved. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, he's talking about himself. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't name himself, so it's still staying humble. Uh-huh. He's staying detached from it, which right. makes I think makes his testimony much more manly and, and believable. 
And the final point, which is, I think, kind of tearful for me, is he says, and he says it in other places, doesn't he, whom he loved, the disciple yes, whom does. he loved. He, does. Well, he refers to himself as yes. the disciple whom God loved, yes. so who Jesus loved. And I remember years ago in here, a real moving moment was um, when we were talking about how, as men, we need to let Jesus love us. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're manly, we don't want to let him in. And, um, and when when that happens, there's a kind of a catharsis. I mean, it's very moving. Mm. And and so John right here is is he's the closest disciple, and he's at this point. I mean, closer than Peter, he's there, yeah. and and he's the one Jesus loved. He's not saying Peter's the one he loved. Right. You know, he's saying no, I'm I'm the one he loved. So he's a great testimony for us as men that this can happen. Jesus, You can get close. Jesus really loved John. John let him love him and mm-hmm. and was loved, you know, so there was an exchange of love. Yeah. Very, yeah, very, very good. Yeah. So there's one thing added to Tom there that even shows more so, not more so, but it shows in addition the humility of John. What is that? It's like right before our eyes. What did we not see as we've been reading all this? Identifying himself. He never said I. He never used the first person. Just with Tom, yeah. He never said, I'm John. Me, 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 me. Well, that's what I said a moment ago. Did you say, okay, you said, yeah. So he never actually claims them. He never uses the word. I mean, we just had to find out through your helping us that, you know, he was there with John the Baptist and left. And that's what he's doing throughout. He's sort of slowly unfolding, starting at that, the calling of the disciples. I'm just giving it away. Slowly unfolding throughout the Gospels that I am that disciple and I'm the one who Jesus loved. And ultimately, I'm the one who's written all this down in the end. But he doesn't ever says, Hey, look at me. Yeah. I'm John. I saw this and I did this. And yeah. yeah. Why do you suppose he omitted that intentionally? I think in very much the same way Tom just said. I think Tom just answered that. Yeah. I think there's a humility. I think there's also, he's trying to give a testimony, right? Yeah. I think it adds to his testimony that I'm not trying to say, Woo, look at Pumped me. me yeah. Yeah. Right, right. He's not trying to identify that with himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. You know, the unique thing about John, too, that I've always appreciated, he was the only disciple that did not get martyred. And he wrote Revelation, you know, and mm-hmm. that's got from beginning to right. the end yeah. of the Bible. You know, it really covers a lot of ground. Yeah. It's, um, I don't, yeah, probably timing wise, I don't. So we could see <laughs> he actually sort of answered. We actually find out why is it he lives so long. Okay, he actually answers that in this book. In, yeah, in this book. Um, Wasn't I'm thinking we want to go ahead and look at that because it, it does bear with where I'm going to go. Which Honor your father and mother, so your days will be long in. on the yeah. earth. Um, well, he took care of Jesus' mom. Wasn't it that part where Peter asked Jesus at the resurrection that, well, what about what about him? You know, he, you know, I think. Jesus said, "You're going to get, you're going to get hung on a tree." You know, he said, "That's none of your concern." And now he's talking about John. 
Yeah, so... Um... Okay. So, I want you to, um... So, look on page 122. 122. Right. So, what we have here to give you a little idea of, this, of something that happens also structure-wise as we're going through, John, we looked at this the very first night. Yep. So, um, page 122, there is this statement that says, Now, Jesus did many other signs, verse um, 30, in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That sounds like the ending of a book. What ends up happening is John goes into an epilogue. So we have a... What have we been looking for the last few weeks? We've been looking at the... Prologue. Prologue. John also has an epilogue, like you would see in a book. Mm. Like the book ends... Whoops. We got another last part. Could this right. be like an inclusio? Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. All right. And it, this epilogue is structured very specifically to show that it is an epilogue. All right. One of the ways, and we won't get into this, one of the things that's interesting, let's put that word interesting, is the prologue has 400 and I think it's... Okay, don't quote me here. I think it's four have it. Um, 400. 400. Okay. The prologue <laughs> has 496 syllables. Hmm. Go and count that. Okay, wait, you guys. If you have nothing to do, you want to go to sleep at night, just count. Go get the Greek version of the New Testament and count how many syllables there are. There's 496. Okay. Anybody want to guess how many words there are in the epilogue? Huh. You mean syllables? No. No words. Words. 496. Really? 496. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Okay. You, but syllables in the prologue? Words 496 in the syllables in the prologue. So it'd be, it'd be a whole lot more cool if it was syllables and syllables. Right. But the epilogue's much longer. Otherwise, yeah. the epilogue wouldn't be so long. But, but there is, they do believe, that for the Greek, uh, for the writing then, there was a very specific purpose in having that match. Really? All right, yes. Okay. Was this done in other Greek literature? That's part of part of John's way of trying to show Relics. there's a connection between these two. Okay. Um, in Greek, they, they did that as writers. I'm not going to try to get to go through Can all I that. Can I ask that was, question? What was his occupation? John? I don't know. Not dumb at all. I don't know. Well, he's got to be pretty smart and and well yeah. educated. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. Well, he up. came. Didn't he come out of the wilderness? Not a fisherman. Well, no, that's John the Baptist. That's John, John the Baptist. He's not a fisherman, right? Yeah. He's not a fisherman. Um, although in this last scene, he there is something that happens with fish. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So what were you going to say about the epilogue? Yeah. So okay. So I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to necessarily read the whole epilogue. Well, but the epilogue... Can I say something about epilogue? Uh-huh. Just, you might be interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a, a screenwriting class at UCLA, I think I mentioned before. And it's about story structure. And the last... There's 22 steps in an excellent story. Don't need to go into all of those. But the end, the last step, is called the new equilibrium. The new? The new equilibrium. Equilibrium. And that's the scene in the film or in a good book 
and in drama that all this has happened and the closure has happened. Now what is life like as it goes on from there? Like a love story would be the couple walks off in the sunset holding hands. Um, that's kind of simplistic. doesn't show other relationships. But a good new equilibrium shows things have calmed down and it's better now as a result of all of what happened before. Almost so like a resolution? Is that yeah, what you should call it? The resolution would be in the scenes before okay. the new equilibrium. All right. Okay. It'll be after the But I'm just saying okay. it, maybe it'll be interesting to see if John's writing a new equilibrium here. How is, how's the dust settled? Well, that is in part That's what he's doing because he's trying to say now all these things have happened and what's interesting, listen to what he does. That's interesting you say that. Right because last. what he does, he starts out almost soft, almost like sounding like it's a repeat of the calling of the disciples. Hmm. All right? So he actually starts out with, after this, Jesus revealed himself, this is page 122, again to the disciples by the sea, notice that again, by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and he goes about and talks about that. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, then it says, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood by the shore, yet his disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 4. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? <laughs> He's probably thinking like children. It's interesting, though, Jesus is not recognizable here. Hmm. Similar. Where okay. are we reading? This is on page 122. Right bottom of 122. 122. Chapter 21. Thank you. Yeah, chapter 21. So they answered him. So Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they and this is his disciples, remember? Okay. They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. What does this say next? That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, Yeah, that's the Lord. <laughs> it is the Lord. Oh. Ooh, what does that say about John? And Peter. And Peter. Guess who recognizes Jesus first? First, John. John. Well, when Simon Peter. John was fishing. And then well, Peter jumps in. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. For he, he, I just pictured the scene. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, threw himself into the sea. The other disciples, it doesn't say walk, <laughs> water, <laughs> threw himself in the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about 100 yards off. Continues on, and then, um, yes, okay, so then go down to verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, so they got all the fish, they ate breakfast. Um, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Remember this whole scene? Yep. All right. And what, do you, what ends up happening? Jesus says, yes, I love you, Lord. And he says, feed my lambs. A second time, Simon, son of John, hello. Do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. He said this a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Yeah. We know, like, what's Peter's role? Feed my feed, sheep. Feed. Okay. Yeah. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, 
and used to and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. So this he said to show that what kind of death he was to glorify God. After and after saying this, he said to him, "Follow me." Now listen to this last yeah. part. Peter turned and saw the disciple who Jesus loved following whom Jesus loved following them the one who had leaned back against him during the supper Mm -hmm. Lord who is it that is going to betray you and and Mm ask who is it going to betray you when Peter saw him he said Jesus Lord what about this man this goes a little bit to what we see Peter's personality in here, don't we? Yeah, yeah. It's like John's like showing me up. What you know? What are you going to do about this guy? All right. So Peter looks at John, okay, and says, "Lord, what about this man?" And it's very interesting what happens. Yeah. Jesus says to him, "If it is my will that he remain, mm. remain yeah. is the word abide. Abide. <laughs> okay." Oh, yeah. Taking us all the way back to the abiding that we had at the very beginning we looked at today when he called the disciples. If it is my will that he will remain until I come, what is that to you? You, Peter, follow me. So the saints spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Okay? Mm -hmm. Which is not true. It was a conspiracy theory. Or I guess you'd call it. Yet Jesus (laughs) um, did not say that to him, that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he abides until I come, what is that to you, Peter? And then it says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. Okay? So notice even at the end, you see John, what is happening here is this is actually the call of John. Peter is going to be the rock of the church to sort of form the church, okay? John is called to do something different. John is called by Jesus specifically to be the one who bears witness, the witness about who he is to write this book of John so the world will believe. Yep. Can I ask, yep. what does it mean, if it is my will, he remain till I come? Where are you at? If it is my will that he remain till I come, what is that you... Uh, is Jesus coming back during John's lifetime? No one really knows the answer to that. Jesus is just responding, Peter. It's first of all, I never said that that he's going to. I never said that John's not going to die. I yeah. get the other part. I just don't get that part. Well, when is until I come? Exactly. Come, Perugia, second time. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, this is looking forward to the second coming of Jesus that still has yeah. not happened. All right? Well, is John still alive on earth? Like, well, John is not. Jesus is not saying that John will be. He's just saying, if it you, is my will, it's not for you to know. he will be. It's not for you to know. Because you know. they were expecting that he would come back. Guess who probably lived the longest out of all the disciples? John. 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 And what were they constantly waiting for Jesus to come back? What yeah. are we waiting for they Jesus to do? Immediate. Come back. Okay. Do you think it could, an, yeah. an interpretation could be that if it is my will that he remain until I come back to appear to him in the book of Revelation? Because John could saw be. Jesus. I don't know. Could be. He saw Jesus. I never thought about that. Could be. Yeah, could be. All right. Yeah, okay. No problem. All right. And we're going to wrap up in just five minutes. Because I want to take us back. 
back to sort of where we began. All right, going actually where you were just talking about when when he's talking about loved. Okay, us guys feeling loved. Because I want you to notice that when it said when I look back at um. Well, I'll just take it here. Well, when Peter turned to the disciple who Jesus saw following him, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. Last supper. The last supper, okay? I want you to turn to 1323. Which is on page 86. 86, yep. yep. Everyone there? Yep. Okay, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, this is the Last Supper, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, in other words, John, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. Where was John? Right next to him. Here's John. Where are you? John's right there. Right. John Eagle. Okay. So and John Jesus. was reclining because that's exactly what they did. They sat like this. Yeah. There's a table down here and they didn't sit up. They sat down like this and yeah. they would eat at the table. So John is at Jesus' side. Yeah. But that word, side, is only used one other time in, in the gospel. Huh. That word, side... Is he actually the word bosom? Servant. Word it is what? a bosom. Bosom. At your bosom. Okay. Bosom. Bosom. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. It is a term describing as close intimacy between two people as you can imagine. When someone's laying on someone's bosom, someone's at someone's side, it says, "How much does this person is loved by Jesus?" He's like. Laying on t- at his bosom. Okay. Yeah, bosom buddies. Bosom buddies, right. What is the exact word the definition? I mean. So it, the actual word for side is bosom. 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 Okay. okay. Which again is language to be very, very close intimately as yeah. two people. All right? Yeah. Where is that word used? Mm. One other time in John, and it was we close. I was just hearing that today on Did you? Um, Where is it? Where he says that, um, I don't know where it's at, but I listened to all 21 chapters today. Very good. So, page 8. He he said... Wait, let's hear... Yeah, go ahead. Doesn't he say that... Doesn't he say that... I thought he said that either Jesus is coming from God's bosom or... Very good, Ken. I thought that's what... Okay. So turn to page 8. And I was wondering what bosom meant. I yeah. thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. So, and the problem is, again, we don't see this unless we look back at the Greek. Okay. Um, Where are we going? Page what? Page 8. Page 8. What is the last sentence of the prologue? Which is the key <laughs> of what verse? the prologue. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God. I'm going to give you the direct Greek of that. I'm not going to speak in Greek, but this is how it's rendered in Greek. God is the very first word, emphatically. God, no one has seen ever. 
Okay, that's how it actually renders in Greek. And it's a very emphatic. God, no one has seen, mm-hmm. ever. The unique son is really how that is translated. Okay, they're not going to get to the translations there, but the unique one, the unique God, the unique son, which is Jesus, he's referring to, who is at the Father's bosom. The same word. Right. Yep. Same Only word. other time it's used in John. Mm. Wow. Because it's saying where, how close is Jesus to the Father? How much does the Father, going with Tom said, love Jesus? How much does the beloved disciple is loved by Jesus? <laughs> how much are we loved by Jesus because today through that spirit and when we believe we are at the bosom of Jesus alright and so here when you take a look at this this is a gospel message we'll just end with this if you ever would say what is a gospel message you can give to someone verse 18 is the reason why we say Jesus remember I gave you guys instructions don't just say God say Jesus. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it is only Jesus. Only Jesus. A unique Jesus who has seen God. No one else has seen God. It is only the unique Jesus that is that close to the Father God. No one else is. There is, when people say Jesus is the only way, there can be no other way. There's only one Son. There's only one Jesus. (laughs) That is at the Father's bosom, at the side. And it is through that one Son that is made known who God is. And in fact, the word He has made Him known, if you look at the very last words of verse 18, He has made Him known. The only way we can know God, only way, is through Jesus because he is the unique only way that has that relationship with the Father and it says right here Jesus is the one who is the one who reveals that to everybody else makes him known that word there we're going to get to theology right now maybe I'll say it the next next time we get together is the word exegesis that's a technical Greek people term use people use these days to say you exegete scripture scripture properly. Find out first of all what it says. Don't put what you think it says into it. Really study it. The word that's actually used here, make himself known, is Jesus exegetes the Father. The way we can know the Father is only through the Son. Yeah. So someone ever says, well, there's many gods. They all lead to somewhere else. Okay? You have them say the higher power, right? Yeah. Right here in verse 18, there is no other, no, it's not only no other way. There is no other way of knowing God and being in that relationship except through the one who makes that God known, who is so close to that father, more intimate than anything else. And what's fascinating is you see that word bosom there, and then John reveals that he has that type of relationship with Jesus. And what does that mean for us? It means all of us can be the one disciple. We could be potential Jesus. Yeah, every one of us. 
going back to what Tom said. And they're part of that too, Greg, in the Bible where it says, if you've seen, Jesus says, if you've seen the Father and you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes. Yes. And we're going to see that throughout John. Yeah. What is John doing ultimately? He is revealing to us who this Jesus is, who reveals to us who this God is, who loves us. And it's only Jesus. It's really beautiful. I've never thought of it. That um, I always thought Jesus in heaven, in the heavenlies. There's, there's maybe two chairs and they have thrones next to mm-hmm. each other. You think of kind of like Supreme Court judges. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what you're talking yeah. about here is um, it's, Jesus. It's a, this is really yeah. hard to picture. Jesus is. is leaning on God's chest and reclining on God's chest. They're that close. It's a familiarity, isn't it? Yes. It's a, it's it's a, a love. It's a relationship of love. It's, yeah. a, it's yeah. a tremendously powerful relationship yeah. of love, but um, it shows how close those two are. Yeah. And then you say, okay, and then he's drawing the parallel that the one he loved is laying on Christ's chest, and I don't know where he says it. I'm sure he's He's preaching the gospel to all of us. He's saying, you know, that's it's not just me that can do this. John's saying, you know, he's got to, he's, he's not saying he's a special guy. I leaned on God's Jesus' bosom, and you can't, but we all can. Which is why he ends can. his gospel saying, I wrote this so you will believe and have life. That's life eternal. Well, that life and have love. this kind of love that I have. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Thanks, you guys. Wow. Yeah, that was a little, yeah, little thread there. Gross. I don't know if we got all that thread. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. huge. Yeah. Rich. So. All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for this evening. Thank you for these guys just staying late, coming here today. And Can you just give us this week a taste, a sight, a smell, a feel, an experience? in our head, mind, heart, soul, every way in which we are to love you, can you reveal to us yes. how much you love us Please. in the way you've loved your son, Lord. Okay, we just have that experience of laying on your bosom and knowing that we are, as it says in John the prologue, because we believe we are your child. Continue to guide us this week, Lord. Give us those opportunities to declare your name, the one and only unique Jesus. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. In Jesus' holy and precious name. And all of God's men said, Amen. Amen. Amen.